Are we going to look at Ephesians chapter 5 as we've read already? Uh, Would you join me as we pray? Father God, we know that we always need your help. And when it comes to this close and deeply personal uh, relationship between a husband and a wife, Lord, we pray that you would uh, open the hearts of all who are listening, whether they are husbands or wives, whether they have been in the past, whether we're single. Uh, Lord, we pray that you might teach us all, help us to see Jesus, to be thankful for his finished work on the cross for us. Lord, we pray that by your spirit that you might enable me to preach in a way that's faithful, uh, helpful, and that Christ might be honoured. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please keep your Bibles open at Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 21, uh, and you can follow along in the outline or the transcript as you can find it on the website. A couple were about to celebrate their 10th wedding anniversary, and the wife began to wonder if the husband would remember. There'd been plenty of times when he'd forgotten But on their 10th anniversary, he remembers and he heads to the newsagent and he gazes upon the rack full of cards. One catches his eye. He skims the words. It looks perfect. He buys it. He heads home rejoicing. He sneaks inside. He writes on it. And then he comes out to give it to her, beaming from ear to ear. She's so happy until her face falls. And her eyes turn cold. Well, what's wrong, he asks. Uh, He's a very sensitive guy, you know, he picks up on these things. Well, nothing, she replies. Oh, there is, what's wrong? Well, it's, it's not bad for a birthday card, she says. And the conversation goes downhill from there. The husband says, unbelievable. She says, no, you're unbelievable. The husband blinks in the face of his wife's anger. He'd remembered. He was full of goodwill. He bought her a present and a card. And he says, honey, I made an honest mistake. Give me a break. Give you a break? If you took your car to be detailed and one spot was not right, you'd notice because you care about it. But you don't care about our anniversary and you don't care about me. The husband can't believe it. He moves from feeling guilty to feeling angry. With the way you're talking, I'm glad I got you a birthday card. He storms out and slams the door. Angry exchanges are caused when the husband appears careless, depriving his wife of love, and when the wife reacts with criticism and complaints, depriving her husband of respect. And why should she be respectful, she thinks. He doesn't deserve it. Whether your marriage is going okay, it's really difficult, or you're considering what sort of person you hope to marry in the future, I pray that this passage and our time looking at it will help you. We're thinking about God's call for husbands to love their wives and for wives to submit to their husbands. This passage is controversial for what it says uh, to wives, but approximately twice as much is said to to the husband and The husband is given greater responsibility here. And that's why we're going to start at verse 25 and then we'll come back to verse 21. So first point, husbands love your wives. Verse 25, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
How should husbands love? By following the example of Christ's self-sacrificial love. And then we're given two analogies or two illustrations which are relevant at two levels. They speak to the husband-wife relationship as well as the relationship between Christ and his people, his church. Firstly, verses 25 to 27, we see the very appropriate image and language of a marriage, a bridegroom and his bride. Christ loved his bride, the church, and gave his life for her. The purpose of this was to cleanse her and make her acceptable to God. Picture a bride on her wedding day. Even if you're not a husband, I'm sure that you can all picture a bride walking down the aisle in a beautiful, spotless, white dress. But Jesus does that for us when we trust in him. Through his death, we get cleansed of all our sins and made blameless and acceptable to God. He died to take our sins away. As the groom, Christ sacrifices himself for his bride that she may become all he longs for her to be. Husbands can't cleanse or sanctify their wives like Jesus does. We are to encourage them in godliness, but the point is Jesus gave his life for his bride. So husbands must give up their lives for their wives. We husbands are to keep giving up because Jesus did that for us. Paul provides a second analogy to ram home the point in verse 28 to 33. He speaks about our bodies. We all instinctively know how to treat ourselves and how we like to be treated. Verse 29, we care for and feed our own bodies and Christ feeds and cares for his body, the church. In fact, just as a husband and wife become one flesh, verse 32, Paul says, I'm primarily talking about Christ and the church. Christ and his body are truly united. We Christians, we're united to Jesus by faith, by our trust in him, and by the spirit, his spirit in us. And so marriage is a beautiful model of our union to Christ. In fact, the highest meaning and ultimate purpose of marriage is to put the covenant relationship between Christ and his church on display. And so as Christ loves his body, husbands are to care for their wives who they are one with. Ray and Harold spoke about this, didn't they? And this forbids husbands exploiting or abusing or degrading their wives. Three times the passage says, husbands love, verse 28, verse 25, 28 and 33. If you're a husband, how are you showing love to your wife? Christ gave up his life for his bride, so what do you need to give up for yours? It will include our time and our wants as we seek out wife's well-being, putting her needs first. It means dying to what's easiest in countless little ways, perhaps helping with the children, the 
or the chores. Maybe it means finishing work earlier, listening to her instead of fixing or trying to fix, getting off the couch, coming out of the shed. Maybe you had lots of social or sporting commitments and COVID has taken that away. Don't waste this opportunity for sacrificial service. We committed to love our wives for better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, not just working hard and providing materially, but giving ourselves to our wife verbally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Husbands, that requires that we know our wife so that we can know the best way that she feels love, the way she receives love. I recommend Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages. But it's also easy to expect our spouse to instinctively know our needs and and then get hurt when our spouse fails to meet our needs. We need to communicate and talk and We need to be open about how our spouse can help us and we need to be willing to hear it when our spouse shares that with us. The marriage book by Nikki and Silla Lee is helpful on this. One single woman wrote online, out of the ten married couples I know, seven are miserable as hell. I'm getting married next year because I love my fiancé. However, if things change, I won't hesitate to divorce him. A a Christian marriage, a husband's love, is meant to shine out the forgiving, faithful love of God to others around us. Is yours doing that? And if you know the pain and grief of divorce or of losing a spouse or you continue in singleness, may God help you to keep trusting in his faithful love and in the cross-shaped love of Jesus as you wait for the wedding of the Lamb that Revelation 19 promises you. That wedding banquets that we will get to celebrate with Jesus when he returns, that you'll get to celebrate with him. Let's return to verse 21, which says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In English and the NIV, verse 21 appears as a separate sentence, even a separate paragraph. But as Tim Keller makes clear in his excellent book, The Meaning of Marriage, in the Greek text, verse 21 is the last clause of a long sentence. From verse 18, Paul has been describing the marks of the person who's filled with the Spirit. Do you remember that last week? Submitting to one another, therefore, is part of what it means to be a spiritual person, one who by the Spirit is pleasing God. But in our world and in churches, the word submission carries connotations of inferiority, subjugation, 
ill treatments and abuse. And the word has those connotations because that is often how submission has played out in reality. Many people have had some experience of a a domineering boss, a demeaning parent or teacher or an aggressive spouse. But those experiences aren't inherent in the concept of submission. Submission doesn't have to be that way. In verse 21, submission talks of a loss of pride and selfishness that leads us all to humbly serve others out of reverence for Christ. It's saying, consider others more important than yourself. However, verse 21 also forms a link to what follows. It functions like a heading. And so verses, verse 22, all the way through to chapter 6, verse 9, are about household relationships where submission is to occur. Wives to husbands, children to parents, slaves to masters. And the submission never goes the other way. The Bible never says that parents should submit to their children. In all these relationships, submission is one way, and it's to the one in authority. And so all Christians are to humbly serve each other, but then Paul then gives specific instructions for specific relationships. And from verse 22 to 24, God says, Wives, submit to your husbands. This is not saying that wives are inferior. The Bible affirms the dignity of women. Women are equally made in God's image, equal in God's sight. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 affirms men and women are equal before God and they're equally saved by faith. Husbands and wives are equal and yet we're different. We have different God-given roles. In terms of how wives are to submit, verse 22 says it's to be done as you do or in the same way you do to the Lord. Why wives are to submit is explained in verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. However politically incorrect it may sound, headship is the motive, the reason for submission. And a wife is not to be forced to submit, but she's to voluntarily choose to submit herself to her husband in obedience to the Lord Jesus. And if the church submits to Christ, verse 24, and if Christ submits to his father, how can any of us think that submission is beneath us? God has established certain roles and certain authorities. In John Stott's words, submission involves the humble recognition of the divine ordering of society. And in marriage, there there is an ordered structure that God has given. It's existed from creation. And Paul highlights that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and 1 Timothy chapter 2. Headship of the husband is a universal principle that transcends all cultures It's not about chauvinism, but creationism. And it's for the sake of order and unity in relationships. To consider this more, I recommend Claire Smith's book, God's Good Design. 
John Piper, in his sermon series, really helpful, called Marriage, Christ and Covenant, he helpfully says this. He defines headship in this way. Headship is the the God-given calling of a husband to take primary responsibility for Christ-like servant leadership and protection and provision in the home. Husbands are to lead and take responsibility for protecting and providing both spiritually and materially. This does not mean that the husband does everything or that he decides everything, but that he takes the initiative. Does not mean the wife always stays at home. It does not mean the husband makes all the decisions or always gets his way. The wife of Proverbs 31 makes many wise and practical and financial decisions. Decisions should be made together through discussing, communicating, praying, even over and over. Eventually, when a decision must be made as the servant and loving leader, the husband is to decide, but always to serve and to seek the good of his wife and his family. You see, husbands, where to give up and sacrifice in order to serve. That giving up, it's about, it's about care, not control. It's about responsibility, not rule. It's about care, not control, and responsibility, not rule. So headship is not about male domination or the husband being the boss. No, it's about him taking responsibility to be the servant leader of his wife and family. Husbands, as we've, when we've failed at this, as we all do, let's ask for forgiveness from our God and our wife. Headship is not to be used to crush or stifle a wife, but to lovingly lead her. And it will be a blessing for a wife to submit to a lover, not an ogre. Piper also says, Submission is the God-given calling of a wife to honour and affirm her husband's leadership and to help him carry it through according to her gifts, which may surpass his. Wives, are you encouraging your husband to grow in Christ-like leadership? Maybe to spend time with other men who will encourage him in that. Do you encourage your husband to attend Belgrave Heights men's conventions and other such things? And our wife may have more theological knowledge or teaching gifts than her husband, but the husband can still ask his wife to pray for the family or to, he can invite her input in their family devotions or their devotions together. You see, submission is not about ability but order and husbands taking responsibility. Submission is a willingness to follow his leadership. To submit is not to become a doormat or that you're unable to offer an opinion or express disagreement with a husband's view. It's not unthinking or unquestioned obedience. And Ephesians chapter 5 does not condone or justify abuse. 
Even if an abuser will use this passage to justify it, it cannot be done. A wife should not submit to something illegal or to disobeying God. She should not go along with being beaten by her husband or with him abusing her or the children. Lovingly challenge and persuade him to change. And if he does not, then speak up. Seek help. Seek protection. So there are limitations. However, godly submission is not about the wife giving in begrudgingly. Submission is part of a wife's discipleship. Wives, it's part of what it means for you to live out the Christian life and follow Jesus as a wife. So do you notice that the husband gives up for his wife The wife gives in to him. And what that means when both are honouring God is that both are serving the other, putting each other first to please God. And that results in such love and unity in a marriage as God intended it to be. Are you doing that? Are you giving up or giving in? How How can you do that better? And if you're single... I hope to be married in two years or ten years. I hope you can see how this relates to you. You need to have thought about what sort of person you're looking for. Teenagers, teenagers, I encourage you to wait to date until you're ready to start considering marriage and to think carefully about who you should even consider. Maybe chat with your parents over lunch about qualities to look for in a marriage partner. Women, are you looking for a man who will serve you sacrificially, who seeks to be like Christ and give up things for you? Are you looking for a man you can really trust even when you disagree on things? Men, are you looking for someone who firstly loves Jesus and is submitting to him? Are you looking for someone who's willing to trust your leadership Be careful who you choose to marry. In concluding, in verse 33, God says through Paul, husbands must love and wives must respect. Emerson Egricks is in this helpful book, Love and Respect. He clearly explains how husbands can love and wives can respect. And he suggests... How to spell love to your wife is with the word couple. Maybe you can remember what these letters stand for. C is for closeness. She wants you to be close. And now not all of these will apply to you, but maybe some of these will. O is for openness. She wants you to open up and talk, share. U is for understanding. She wants you to not try and fix her or give suggestions all the time, but listen. P's for peacemaking. She wants you to say, I'm sorry. L's for loyalty. She wants you to know, she wants to know you're committed to her. E is for esteem. She wants you to honour and cherish her. And for your husband, chairs is how you can spell respect. C is for conquest. Appreciate his desire to work and achieve. H for hierarchy. 
appreciate his desire to protect and provide. A is for authority. Appreciate his desire to serve and to lead. I is for insight. Appreciate his desire to analyse and counsel. R is for relationship. Appreciate his desire for shoulder-to-shoulder friendship, even if that means sitting watching the footy without talking. And S is for appreciating his desire for sexual intimacy. Maybe there's something there that could help your marriage. Please notice too that the commands in verse 33 are not conditional. A godly husband should love his wife even when she struggles to submit or show him respect. And a godly wife should submit and respect her, submit to and respect her husband even when he fails to be loving or when there is little to respect. And if you're married to an unbeliever, you may even win your husband to Christ by your godly behaviour, says 1 Peter chapter 3. Submission in our culture isn't easy. And it's not easy for husbands to be loving leaders either. We all need to swim against the flow of our culture. I finish with this example of a husband who never gave up on his wife. And the wife writes this true story and says, We're still together today because for the past few months my husband has shown me love regardless of my respect. He loved me when I was not lovable and he held on to our marriage and family when there was absolutely nothing to hold on to. This past October, I asked him to please leave the house. I wanted to be alone. I wanted space. I felt I just didn't love him anymore. Reluctantly, he left for a couple of weeks. I knew my life and the life of the girls would drastically change with a divorce. I thought about the shared visitation having to sell our home, but I didn't care. I wanted out. Meanwhile, he prayed, studied marriage books, and made a decision to love me no matter what. The girls were starting to miss him being around, and so we decided that he'd return home until further notice. Well, he would hold my hand every night and pray for me and our marriage. As I stared up at the ceiling, waiting for him to anxious or waiting anxiously for him to finish. He would leave little notes, a little flower on on the bathroom mirror or in my car, so many little things to show that he loved me and he wasn't going to let this marriage go easily. It just irritated me though. I thought, can't he understand? I just don't love him. I didn't feel that in love feeling for him anymore. My needs weren't being met and I just wanted out. I was very selfish and immature. I was emotionally going through something neither of us really understood, but he stayed there and loved me through it. And eventually I broke. No woman in her right mind could let go of that much love and commitment. Now I am very much in love with my husband. I've learned that love is not a feeling, it's a choice, a commitment. We didn't become a statistic because my husband chose to love me no matter what my reaction to him would be. It's really humbling to look back and see how loving and patient he was with me. And trust me, that wasn't easy. And how he, only through the strength of Christ, saved our marriage.
I close by asking each of you to pray for one another. That at Bundy, wives will submit to their husbands as to the Lord. That husbands will love their wives as Christ loved the church. That single people will keep trusting and honouring Christ so that Jesus might be glorified by us all. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks for your faithful love that you forgive our sins when we trust in Jesus, the one who loved us and gave himself up for us. May the love of Jesus for us fill us with a desire to love others, fill husbands who are watching now with a commitment and conviction, a determination with great courage to love their wives, saying no to selfishness, saying yes to love even when it's hard. We pray, dear Lord, too, that you might, by your spirit, help wives to submit to their husbands as they do to the Lord Jesus and out of a desire to honour their Saviour. Lord, we pray that you might help single people to make wise decisions about their lives, who they trust and live for, grow their hope. And Lord, we pray for those who are considering who to marry in the future. Give them great wisdom. Give them patience and prayerfulness. And Father, we pray that Jesus would be honoured by the love, forgiveness and faithfulness that are displayed by all the Christian couples that are listening this morning. Help us to honour Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen.